Okay, shall we? Um, we shall. You're going to do the intro, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm not. That's getting old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, I've done it enough times now. I don't want to run that gag into the ground. Well, he gets a hat trick. Well, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to stick to the regular stuff. No worries. To the Christian Pulisic podcast, where we talk a little bit of Christian Pulisic and a whole lot of Christian Pulisic. My name is Christian Pulisic, also known as Christian Pulisic, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts Christian Pulisic and producer Ian Stimson. Ian, are you recording on the correct microphone this week? Yes, yes, I'm on the correct mic. You said you wouldn't do that. Everything's going wrong. Stop it already. <laughs> well, you know, obviously you'll play that little soundbite before the intro and it'll make a, a perfect little... uh what do they call that? Stinger, I guess? Or is that at the end? Uh, tease. Tease. There we go. Speaking of teases, Chuck, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, Chelsea beat Palace. Let's move on. Yeah, we'll have we'll have time for all that. 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. Done. See you later. Bye. <laughs> I believe us one specific player, too, was involved. If I recall, someone tweeted immediately before the match, uh, what was it? Please don't let Chelsea win and don't let Pulisic be the winning goal or Oscar will be insufferable. Something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Do you uh, do you happen to know who it was that tweeted that? Or No, no, no idea, mate. Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin, <laughs> he's our mate now. Yeah, we're friends with Charlie Austin now. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's not a joke. It's true. Um, yeah, Pulisic scored. Yeah, it was a lucky goal. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will get into all that. Don't worry. Good. Cheers. Before we do, let's check in on Peterborough. It's been a while. How's the patch doing, Ian? Oh, it's not good actually in the league. In the league lately, it's uh, what is it? One point out of the last nine potential. Join the club, mate. Yeah. So we're down to third now, and we've played more than everyone around us. So I mean, I, I think in a couple of weeks, you can probably expect us to be in the periphery of the playoffs as usual. Hooray! Yay! Consistency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll. You know, we're doing okay, but it's just it's it's been a blip. Let's hope it's just a blip. For fuck's sake, let it just be a blip. <laughs> so is it like a work in progress? Like are there young players and they're coming through and maybe in a couple of years you'll be looking at promotion? Or is it just like well, same old, we, same yeah, old? Yeah, I mean, we did we did buy a few players like in pretty important positions. I mean, we got a, a new keeper who makes the occasional individual error at the minute, but I think we'll be okay. Um, our new uh, striker... Isa, who Jeff Stelling loves uh, making Isa jokes constantly on Soccer Saturday about. Um, another return for Isa, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's really, really good. Um, he's he's doing all right. I think we'll, we will be okay. We turned down a £4 million bid for Ivan Tony. I mean, we don't do that. So so they must have confidence in the players then. They must like fundamentally believe that something yeah, is coming. I think, I think it's just we've just got a settle in new new striker we've got a new left back new goalkeeper i think the defensive errors we keep making individual errors that lead to goals Uh, i'm really hoping we'll be all right we're still there we're still there so it's just it's just because the last few games have been bad we play cambridge united who are our local rivals or they were when i was a kid growing up anyway um in some uh, shithouse trophy I don't know mm. no, it's not important other than the fact it's Cambridge United <laughs> and by the time this goes out it'll have been done so I hope, but hopefully we'll have beat them just because I hate Cambridge United third place ain't bad 
No, exactly. I think I think if you'd have offered me it at the start of the season, I'd have probably taken it. So I've got to try and have that attitude. It's just because it's just peaks and troughs for Peter. It really is. There you go. Mm. What, do you, what do you do? All right. And that is our League One corner. <laughs> we'll check <laughs> back in in about a, one, a month on the rare occurring but sometimes segment on our podcast. Shall we cover the championship? Preston are in second. Preston might be in the Premier League is next season. Is that Preston season. North End or Preston South End? North End. Is there a Preston South End? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. There is a South End United, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they're yeah. Uh, 200 miles apart, probably. <laughs> yeah. Unrelated. One's in, one's in Essex. One's in, I want to say, Manchester, Lan- Manchester yeah. Lancashire, maybe. Yeah, Lancashire, yeah. Okay, so there's a West Ham, a Preston North End, a South End, and Southampton. What's the East team? Peterborough. <laughs> What? <laughs> is there a team with East in the name? The, the the listeners need to know. This is the hard-hitting topics. There is, and it's really annoying me that I can't think of it right now. East Fife. Are they in the league, or are they like, you know, 10th division kind of thing? Scottish. Yeah, Scottish, Scottish League. Oh, okay. All right, so. Eastbourne? Eastbourne, yeah. yeah. Eastleigh Town? Eastleigh Town. That's what I was trying there to think of. There we go. Thank you, Stephen. All right, we got Eastleigh Town. Um and with that riveting content, I think it's time to move on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we uh, there are a lot of fucking things to talk about with the matches this week. It was a very busy week. Uh, so I think we're going to forego the news because there wasn't really that many funny things to make jokes about. Um, and just get straight to the series stuff. So let's start off with the Friday kickoff. We love a Friday kickoff. Mm. Uh, bottom of the table clash between Watford and Norwich. And boys, the long wait is over. Holy shit! Watford um, done wind. One they wanted one of those. Done done wanted. Um, mate, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they remembered how to say it. Um, <laughs> it was. I mean, as a match for about sixty minutes, incredibly exciting, and then it wasn't. Yeah, so I was uh, I was at the DMV, which is the worst fucking place on earth. Um, so I didn't get to watch this one. So why don't you talk me through it? I guess uh, I'll start off with the scoreline. We had Watford two, Norwich zero. Watford one point four on XG to Norwich is zero point six. So a fully deserved victory. They didn't Burnley them or anything like that. Um, but how did it look in real time? Because you said it was kind of fun to watch. Well, it was it was the very early goal for De Lefeu, which was it was in like the second minute or something, wasn't it? Ian? Yeah, it was the second minute. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, and he just kind of cut in from the from the outside, and it was one of those runs where you, you're just watching and, and seeing how the play unfolds. You're like, he's definitely got, just going to score here. Like, even though it was Watford, and he just slotted it into the bottom corner, and then obviously that was very early on. And after that, it was just end to end. Like both teams were just attacking and trying it. Reminded me, and uh, Dave Matteo can probably attest to this, it just reminded me perfectly of the A-League, like the Australian Premier League, because it's just just absolute A for effort, but just followed <laughs> by wildly speculative shots into Rose Z uh, at the end of it. And you just love to see it because you're not supporting those teams. Uh, yeah, so it was it was really, really fun. But then once there was the really stupid Cabaselli red card... Uh, which was for a second yellow when he just needlessly pulled one of the noise players down to the ground. Just mad, maddening. The game just died. Like, after that, they, I think Watford finally realised kind of where they were and what situation they were in. <laughs> and Norwich didn't make the most of it. And the fact that Norwich can't score against 10-man Watford, like, they suck, bro. Yeah, they're no good. 
No. <laughs> they don't no. know how to defend. They have by far the worst defense in the league, both by the numbers and by just watching them. Um, <laughs> I love it when you do that, both by the numbers yeah. and, you know, and real life, life. in that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but they also don't – they seem to have totally lost that spark of attack. Timu Puki, RIP. Yeah. Um, on. Like, if you still have him – I mean – you could kind of see the argument if people were keeping him for that game, but that's it. They've just played the other worst team in the league. Just get rid. Stop yeah. ruining your life. And Watford, who were Watfording, we even made them into a verb early on in the season. In the last like five-ish matches, four-ish matches, have their numbers underlying have dropped off. And it seems like the bad performances have gotten to them psychologically. Um, so they're not underperforming anymore. Now they're pretty much exactly performing. In the last five stretch, obviously, they're still pretty far behind their expected points because of that first, like, seven or eight mm. matches. But this was a genuinely bad Watford that they came into the match against, and they were still, like, wildly unable to do anything. Um, and you have to think at this point, Norwich are the favorites to go down, right? Like, Oh, yeah, um, 100%. Yes. I think in terms of, they're the team that, when things have been bad, it's been very hard to kind of take any positives from it Yeah, recently. Um, you know, we said about Southampton uh, after they'd been hammered, kind of coming back against Man City the the second time, obviously, they played them in a week. And even though they lost, you could tell they were actually still fighting for the manager and wanting to play. Whereas Norwich just look a bit kind of all over the shop. Um, granted, a ton of injuries. Uh, they've still been having, I mean, Alex Tete, who... I'm pretty sure a few years ago was playing like centre attacking midfielder for him or like as a winger has been filling in as a centre back. And you can you can just absolutely tell that he has no comprehension of what it means to defend. Plus, they've got, you know, an incredibly young side with very attacking fullbacks that don't have the best decision making in, uh, I think it's Aaron's and Godfrey. And it was just mental to watch. They were taking, you know... Rather than working the man advantage against Watford, for God's sake, they were just kind of <laughs> making a few passes around the box and then just taking 30-yard shots rather than actually trying to work something in and, and get the ball into the box to create something of a like a better chance. And that continued after the red card too? Yeah, that was after the red card. Oh fucking hell. <laughs> that was when they just they weren't they weren't playing like they were they had an extra man whatsoever. Like you didn't feel it. They were just making incredibly poor decisions, taking snapshots and not doing nothing. So yeah. you know, their point six two XG, there's probably a you know, a hefty bit of that is from many, many shots after Watford went down to ten men and just none of them were any good. Norwich were point six two XG. Yeah. yeah. I've got but that's like, probably just by sheer volume. That does add yeah. up. Like you take enough point two shots or point zero two shots. Like no, but I was almost you know like, what I, mean? like, I was almost questioning how low it was just because I've got like raw numbers in front of me. I had sixty six percent possession, seventeen shots to Watford's twelve, like eight hundred plus touches compared to Watford's five hundred, six hundred passes. Like they just came them came Watford for numbers, but all of that uh, with half an hour was it against ten men? It's a good half an hour or something, but yeah, all of that amounted to 0.62 XG. That's shocking. And to me, that's like a perfect example of why XG is like just fundamentally a statistic that I really strongly believe in. Yeah. Because like you hear announcers and like even those old school announcers who are like, fuck XG, fuck your stats, get out of here, nerd boy. 
are like, oh, for all their possession, you know, they don't look like they deserve to win or it hasn't been a strong performance. That's the kind of shit you hear all the time. And it's like, well, that's exactly what XG does is it measures not just 16 shots, but like 16 bad shots Yeah, are low percentage shots. And so, of course, you're not likely to have gotten a goal from 16 shots from the 40-yard line as opposed to three shots inside the box, right? So, like, that's exactly what XG is for. And so it makes me happy that you're like, what the fuck? Only 0.6? It's like, yeah, clearly those were really fucking terrible shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does tell the but story. But there is one thing I want to highlight because I doubt we'll linger too long on Everton-Southampton later. Um, but this is a good opportunity to bring this up. If you look at the Premier League standings, and we're talking about how Norwich are like pretty much a lock to go down. Uh, the Here, I'll give you this. The fourth worst actual goal difference in the Prem is Newcastle, as you would expect, because they suck. <laughs> At minus seven. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we, we will get to that, but <laughs> minus seven. So, like, th- these are actual numbers, not expected numbers. Goal difference. The three, so, this is minus seven goal difference. Gotcha. The three teams in the relegation zone have minus 15, minus 17, and minus 18 goal difference. No one else is below minus seven. It is fucking bleak down there. Yeah, but, I mean, one of those teams is Norwich, and the other two have received eight and nine nil dickings. So, like, there is i I'll put a caveat on that a bit, that 50% of those, that difference has come from one game for two of those teams. Sure, but Norwich's actual history is also 27, which is four clear of anybody else. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I have no... I can't help them. <laughs> it doesn't seem like, like anyone can like Southampton and Watford I can help you out I can bail you out a little bit and make it seem like you're not so shit but Norwich like you have done me and to be honest it really frustrates me because I thought they were good and they yeah didn't. it's a real shame it's a real shame because I don't want them to go down no. and our longest serving patron is a Norwich fan It's uh, I feel bad every week and I, I did at the beginning say that I thought all three promoted teams would stay up it's looking good for Villa and uh, Sheffield, obviously Sheffield, but yeah, wow. fucking hell, Norwich are going right back down. <laughs> sorry, Johnny. Yeah. Well, speaking of sorry, Johnny, he lost to me in the fan tracks this week in the Patreon League. Oh, it's a bad week for Johnny. I know. He posted the second highest score of the week, oh. but he came up against me <laughs> with the highest score of the week. Oh, mate. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh. Kapaseli almost cost it for me because I had him in my starting lineup and that red card, like, he was my worst oh, wow. player of the week. I was like, fuck. It was a close thing. It was a close thing. The clean sheet wipeout, I think, might have been what did it for me with Liverpool. But anyway, let's move on. Condolences to Johnny. <laughs> and uh, that takes us to Saturday morning. And oh, would you look at that? What's the first match of Saturday? Absolute Watford of the week here, Chelsea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess, arguably. Uh, Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace 0, Chelsea scoring 3.3 on the XG, according to Understat, 2.7 by Kaylees, and 0.4 on both of those different metrics for Palace. So, yeah. a solid 2-0, probably, arguably, should have been 3-0. Mm. Should have been, again, being a loaded thing to say, but good day, man. A good day for Chelsea. Uh, to quote Kaylee Graphics, more of the same dominance from what is, I think, definitively the third best team in the league. Now, I don't think it's even a conversation, really. I mean, the league table suggests it, but then that also means that Leicester are better than you. But did you... Because it's always hard watching these games, mostly because I know you're going to be insufferable um, when Chelsea win. And I know it robs me of the opportunity to be insufferable if Chelsea win. Um, Correct. But yep. <laughs> did, did you actually think, because the first half especially was incredibly defensive from Palace 
and in a, in a very good way. Like it was organised, it was tight and everything. But, you know, we, we were speaking about it a little bit. But did you think Chelsea were actually, that this is one of their better performances or this is one of their worst performances on the pitch? I would, it depends on how you define better. I would argue that this was probably their most dominant performance insofar as we prevented you guys from creating fucking anything, really. Yeah, I, I don't know if you prevented us from creating it or we prevented ourselves from creating anything. <laughs> I mean, that's chicken and egg, but like, yeah. either way, it, it, if the few times that you egg. guys did try to go up, we stopped it. Yeah, like, an egg. And that is one of the notable things. There are many notable things about Chelsea in this match, but Conte being back is a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Jorginho was suspended on yellow card accumulation, so I'm very curious to see who it is that makes way for Conte in the next match. Because he's obviously first name on the sheet, right? But Jorginho kind of offers a unique skill set. Um, and Mason Mount kind of also does. So I guess Kovacic would be the one to make sense, but Co- make way rather, sorry. But Kovacic has been one of our best players too. Mm. So I'm like, who drops? And then Ruben is not that far behind either. There's no one that's really been out of form. No, not at all. I mean, maybe Mount, but he isn't like for like with Conte. He might be more like for like with Ruben, who isn't that far behind either. Um, whispers that he might be playing in the first match after the break, if not very shortly thereafter. Yeah. Which very exciting. But yeah, so like Conte being back, of course, we dominated. We controlled the middle of the pitch. We, you, you guys weren't able to get anything going at all, really. No, and we were, but like I said, the first half was just, uh, I mean, it got highlighted on on match of the day a bit that, you know, we were playing such a strong defensive shape and, and Chelsea were finding it very difficult. You know, Abraham wasn't able to get in behind or have the space. Um, no. You needed someone like Jorginho to be able to pick, uh, kind of pick the lock with a pass. I mean, Pulisic made made a few very good runs uh, that, that, you know, that, that had a lot of promise to them. And obviously there was William's chance with the last kick of the first half. Um, yeah. But... We then, once Palace then got the ball back, because we were playing so deep, there was no one to give the ball to. So we were just inviting all that pressure, which is baffling for me because it's, it's you know, Roy Hodgson has always made a name for being very well-organised defensive sides, being tight, people knowing, being drilled and knowing what their job is, which for the first half, I can I can take that. But to then not really change anything for the second half... And to try and hold out against one of the highest scoring teams in the league. I mean, Chelsea yeah. are generating 3.29, right? When you're, when, mm-hmm. when you're playing against a team that's generating that much XG, it's incredibly hard for you to get the kind of smash and grab result like we did against Man United, who weren't at that time generating as much for whatever reason because their defence is much stronger than their attack. And so why I don't understand why we stayed so dogmatic in trying to lock down and keep a clean sheet, it's a much, much harder task um, because all it takes is kind of one silly mistake. And I think it was a bit of a silly mistake from Tompkins for the first goal. Um, ah, but that Willian flick around the corner is pretty unstoppable. But it's it's also because too many people were drawn out of position for there. And, and, and that's kind of my point that if you're going to concede a goal, all it takes is one switch off, especially against a team like Chelsea. And when Chelsea have shown that they can concede goals against pretty much every team, I mean, you've you've only kept clean sheets against Palace, but, uh, Brighton and Newcastle. Yeah, correct. Our defence is there to be had. You know, we joke about four, yeah. we have to win 4-2 every match, right? Like, that's that's a joke for a reason. And that's why I thought with a team like us that can be strong on the break, why aren't we taking a few more chances? And at least, 
you know, even if you don't think you can win something, uh, especially after this run of games, is just try to get something going that's a little bit different or try something at least. Because, you know, we were forced into the defensive substitution early for Joel Ward, which was obviously a bit crap. But then after that, we brought on Jeffrey Schlupp for James McArthur, which is effectively the same player, just in a central role-ish, who knows. Uh, and then James McCarthy came on for Kuyate. So we've made no attacking substitutions. Max no, Meyer, Max Meyer has absolutely disappeared from the face of the planet. God knows yeah. he hasn't been injured. Nothing's happened. We brought in Victor Camarasa, who had been very good for, yes, granted a shit Cardiff side last year, but was still producing in the Premier League. Yeah, he looked tasty. We, I know people had him in FPL teams and stuff. Yeah, yeah he's played like 20, 30 minutes. There's been, again, no explanation of what's going on as yeah, to, as to what, why he is. And so I think this that kind of choosing to stay so defensive and boring is it, just a bit shit when you've kind of effectively got a free hit and the potential to score some goals like only what um no who scored less goals than us Watford Watford's the only team that scored less goals than us in the league and like, yeah. like that's that's not we've said about the numbers and underline all this stuff like it's not fucking sustainable you have to be showing something and it feels almost like now that we may as well have just let Wilfred Zaha go in the summer or yes. sell him very soon because He's a fantastic player, don't get me wrong. He's he's incredible and I love him and I wouldn't want him to go, but ultimately you understand, as I'm sure Ian, you would know with Peterborough, once you have a fantastic player, it's hard to keep hold of them, cool. especially with... Or even Chelsea, once you have a hazard level player, you're like, mm. oh fuck, they're going to Madrid, they're going to Barca. We spent years like worrying about how Hazard was going to leave and we kept saying, me and Emily, like, you know Hazard's not here for forever, we just got to enjoy him while he's around. Yeah, like, exactly. So- that does happen. And it's like, if we're not going to put something creative in there, if we're just going to have play with all these players behind the ball and just try to give it to him to do something. I mean, the, the battle between him and Reese James was fantastic to watch. Um, you have to give some credit to Reese James there abs- too. A very uh, young defender had Zaha in his pocket. No, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> it's going to sound a bit yeah dodgy here, but I don't think he had him in his pocket. I think overall it can look like that because... Chelsea kept the clean sheet ultimately, but I think there was a lot of times where both of them, but they were they were both just battling constantly. And what was weird with that as well is you think right, so Reese James, yeah, effectively had the better of Zaha. Well, why not just switch wings, switch the way they're playing? We, we did that in the first half when we were playing more defensively, but when we were trying to attack, we just yeah. kept doing the same thing. And when you've got a, a player like that. Reese James, I mean, who's doing very well and, and a lot of the time is beating you back because he's incredibly strong and incredibly physical. Why not try Townsend against him because he's a different type of player? Or why not try and then shift over to play against Emerson and try and get something there? Like, just mix it up a little bit. And it was, yeah. And we talked about Grealish last week being like, you need that sort of creative outlet to relieve the pressure when you're getting just penned back. And Villa were really missing him. And it and it felt kind of the same from Zaha here. Like, you have to feel like Zaha's losing value with every game that ma- that passes. Like, he could have been sold for a lot of money last summer. And I don't know that he's going to go for as much in January or next summer. Because he hasn't had a good season. Like, and for there are reasons. There are, like, extenuating circumstances kind of there with regards to, like, you know, your striker situation and your offense and your tactical setup and all that. But... You know, at the end of the day, if I'm a club looking at Zaha and I'm like, well, last year I would have had to pay 80 million for him. 
And now he doesn't have a good year. Next summer, maybe I can get him for 50. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, like Everything everything about the Palace team, though, ultimately, just to kind of round it up, because I don't, you know, we don't need to go on about it forever. But I just think the whole team, everything there feels a bit too passive and too comfortable. Mm. I think all the players there, especially with the way Roy picks his team and structures the team, it's comfortable. None of them really have anything to fight for. I mean, there is competition for places, but there isn't because the same players just get picked over and over again. They're kind of... A team like Palace is their level. So any transfer moves or potential is just going to be horizontal. So there's no real anything to just kind of kick the team up its arse a bit and, and kind of make the most of what's happened. Take that with a pinch of salt because we've lost five games this year and it's been like... They've been against, I think it's Chelsea, Man City, Tottenham, Sheffield United and Leicester. So if you look at it like that, can it be that bad? But it would just be nice, especially in this run of that we know it's really, really shit and we have to kind of take points where we can. Against the free scoring team, why not just try something and and go for it? You've You've got nothing to lose. Exactly. 2-0 2-0 is 2-0, 3-2, you know, it, but it, and it's especially shit when you've got teams like Burnley, Southampton uh, that are scoring against Chelsea and we come away with absolutely nothing and generate the second lowest XG against Chelsea of any team this yeah, year. Yeah, and we did say in this run, like, all you really needed was four points. You got your four points. Everything on top of this is gravy. So, like, fucking go for it against us. I get it. Yeah. I totally get it because our defense is, if you sort by XGA, we're only sixth. It's our mm-hmm. attack that has us really kind of being where we are. And, you know, to touch on that for a second, like, we're pulling away from Liverpool in terms of having the second best attack in the league. Pretty, like, a pretty significant gap from us to them at this point with the underlying numbers. And so, you know, to go back to a point you were making earlier, like, if you want to try to defend against that for 90 minutes, it's that's, not, that's not going to work out. You take, you like, take the first half, you stay fantastic. We've got away with a few lucky ones there. Are right. we going to get away with it in the second half? No. It's yeah. it's just not. And, you know, you get that beautiful flick from William um, to play Tammy into space, which the second he gets that space, it's going in. And you then get a little bit of luck with the Batshuayi shot, which bounces off and just pops up perfectly for Pulisic running in. Pulisic, who had made that pass into Batshuayi, was on the ground, passed it with his like leg from the floor, and then mm. immediately bounced up. And then crashed into the post. And then I think, and then got subbed straight away. I don't know. I yeah, think he was he already he, going to get subbed no matter what. Yeah. But, he got uh, a knock on his hip from that goal too, so he did kind of walk off. Oh a yeah, bit. he he like he was sprinting in for the ball <laughs> and then hit the ground and slid and just crashed straight into the post. Yeah, but that's the kind of shit you love. Like that's really such heads up play, man. Like that kid has so much fucking heart, and it really. I do want to just take a second to kind of linger. I know I don't want to like. Berate this for an no, hour. You got, because you we... got the introduction in, all right? Like, you've had the second, all right? <laughs> You're done. But uh, just in terms of some of the numbers, because as more and more of this happens, like the, the analytics heads are popping out of the woodwork with some cool stuff. Um, I do think that, like, just before I even get into the numbers, I want to take a second to, like, acknowledge Frank Lampard's amazing management of him because he looks like the hungriest player in the league right now. Mm. Every play, every 50-50, he, you know, he flung himself about and like crashed into the post, but he got his goal and that's what mattered. Like he is playing like a man possessed and it's fucking amazing to watch. Yeah. Um, he was in the first half the only really thing going on and his ability to 
dribble and keep the ball in tight spaces and find passes in the penalty area with three defenders around him is just a delight. Like, really, really impressive, I think. Like, he created a bunch of chances out of almost nothing in the first half there. Mm. And, you know, he won man of the match, which is, like, great to see. Um, first American scoring at Stamford Bridge in, like, 10 years. Uh, his first goal at Stamford Bridge, obviously, um, given that first statistic. And Kaylee, I can't find the numbers exactly in front of me, but he's in the top, like, four or five for passes in the box and dribbles in the box per 90 for the whole league. And then um, 538 had a really good article about how he's uh, – the name of the article is Christian Pulisic has found a home at Chelsea. Um, and obviously I'm not going to, like I said, go on for too long on this. But they did have a table in there of XG per 90 for the entire Premier League. And he's in the top 10. He's right around Sadio Mane and David Silva <laughs> for XG per 90. And his XA per 90 is expected assists are e- even with Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. Like he hasn't gotten the minutes because Frank was kind of – I think managing him as a means to like fire him up. But since he's been playing, again, you look at those per 90 metrics and it's like, he's fucking elite. Like, it's not even like he has just been really good. He's been like top, top level. And so for, you know, as an American to have that happening at all anywhere in the world is fucking awesome. Because we haven't had like a true global superstar. Like, Landon Donovan was great, but he was great for an American. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Christian Pulisic is just great. Full stop. Like, he's an amazing player. And so it's really, really, like, exciting. And then for, obviously, for that to be happening at Chelsea specifically, like, it's, it's just fucking great to watch. So, you know, shout out to him. But let's move on. I don't want to linger on Chelsea for too long, having spent about a half hour between Chuck and me talking about our two teams. Uh, let's go to Burnley again. Three... West Ham 0, Burnley 2.4 to West Ham's point four on XG, so a solid actual 3-0 victory for Burnley. What is going on there? West Ham just fucked. That's it. Yeah, but this is the third match in a row where Burnley are actually creating stuff and scoring. Like, Well, yeah, they've... I mean, they, they have done, but then they haven't had necessarily the points to show for that. I mean, they've got six in their last five. Uh, but I think it's just... This is what happens when you have a team that knows exactly what what they are, who they are, what they do week in, week out versus a team that has just kind of imploded. Um, you know, West Ham had an incredibly bright start to the season and we were kind of singling them out as being good and looking very good because it was almost like all the kind of pieces were starting to click together and now they've had <laughs> they've had one point in their last five um, and it's just seen them drop off of the table. I mean, again, it shows how truncated the table is, the fact that they can get one point from their last five and still just be three points off Man United in seventh. Right. It's just absolute madness, but it's kind of similar. You know, I alluded to it a bit earlier with Norwich, and it's, it's kind of the same with West Ham, that you just don't really know at the minute what they are. I mean, especially not having Fabianski and this new keeper, Roberto, every, every single time I've seen highlights of West Ham, just he doesn't inspire me with any confidence. No. So God knows what it's like <laughs> for that defence being in front of him. Like, Well, they could always put Joe Hart in there. Is he? No, he's at Burnley, mate. Is he, I thought he was at West Ham. No, ah, no. he's at Burnley. Oh, well, they could still get Joe Hart and put him in there. <laughs> they could get Joe Hart, yeah, sure. I mean, he could go from not playing in one team to not playing in another. Why not? Yeah. West Ham feel like Arsenal light to me. In that mm. they have a bunch of good, talented people, but they have no idea how to put them together into a formation or a lineup. 
and make it work. And that, and you're right. Like the wheels are totally falling off. They all, it almost feels like that hot start was by accident. And you have to wonder how long their manager has before he gets fired because it's one point in the last was it six matches you said? Uh, I mean, I've only got five, but it could be they lost five. the one before that. Could be is like atrocious form. Atrocious form for a team that is looking at this Premier League this year and thinking they could have been competing for a European spot, if not Champions League, at least Europa League. With their talent and their wage bill, like you think that they should be in that conversation. Yeah, but it, it is one of those years where you know a quick turnaround and just a bit of consistency, and you'll you'll shoot up the league. Like I said, potentially in two wins, you know they could be above seven. They could move up seven, eight places. Well, speaking of shooting up the league, I think that's a good place to to transition. Shooting up the league after two wins is Newcastle. Newcastle 2, Bournemouth 1. Newcastle 2.3 on XG, Bournemouth 1.9. So a bit unlucky Bournemouth there to not get the draw. But Newcastle two wins in a row, and they are up the table. And specifically up the table past, let's skip over Southampton-Everton. Tottenham 1, Sheffield United 1. We'll kind of take these two games together. Tottenham 1.5 on XG to Sheffield's 0.9. Oh, God, I forgot about this fucking Lundstrom, man. This bullshit VAR offside. <laughs> it's not... Oh, he was my captain. This is There we go. <laughs> That's why he's upset. But Newcastle yeah. are above Tottenham in the fucking table <laughs> going into <laughs> this international break. That's an absolute madness, that is. Like, Stevie Bruce has somehow pulled something out there. Good Lord, how bad are Tottenham? And I heard a stat today that I think, you know, even though they had that fantastic uh, time under Rafa, um, I think they're six points ahead of where they were last year. Like, at at this point, after 12 games. (laughs) So, um, Mike Ashley's starting to look like a genius. He isn't. Spoiler alert, he isn't. (laughs) He's not, yeah. (laughs) Just in case. Narrator voice, he wasn't. (laughs) Man throws up in fireplaces, you get me. Um, Well, come on. We've all had rough nights. Well, yeah, but this was at like two o'clock in the afternoon, wasn't it? <laughs> it probably was, actually. I think it was during a meeting or something when he was power drinking. Power drinking. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yes, good things at Newcastle. I mean, they they finally look like they're getting something together. But, I mean, my boy, Sam Maximan. <laughs> I knew he'd get a mensch. Him and Miguel Alvaron still. I know we said it last week, but they've caught the Tammy Abraham curse from like those early game weeks because <laughs> they just cannot score. Like, oh. so Maximan was one on one with the keeper again. Fucked it. Yeah. <laughs> I hit it off the crossbar, I believe. Pretty yeah, hard. He just too. rather than go, it just went, you know what? I'm fucking having this. Oh, the best one was when Maximan was on the floor and managed to block Almiron's shot. Oh, yes. Yeah, I forgot so, that. You know, he sort of, sort of seemed to react to it almost and stuck his foot out. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, honestly. Yeah, it is, these two are just brilliant. They cannot buy a fucking goal, but they are fun to watch. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> couldn't be a Newcastle fan. Poor bastard. At least they're scoring goals, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nor could I be a Tottenham fan. No. Can we come back to that shit? What the <laughs> fuck, man? <laughs> He's desperate to slack off Tottenham. Let, let him have his minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Newcastle, great. They scored. Uh, <laughs> <Tottenham>. <laughs> they're in 14th. Yeah. It's 14th. And decent value for it, too. Yeah, they still because you said last week that if you sorted the league by XG, weren't they eleventh? So they were no, they were sixteenth. Sorry, so they were actually overperforming as they were. Is that is that still the case now? No, they've moved up to tenth. 
Ooh, Unexpected points, blades. according to Understat, because like, there was a couple of teams that were above them that had very, very bad weeks this week. Um, but still, like, man, 10th unexpected, 14th in actual. And behind Newcastle. Like, how fucking garbage are Newcastle and Tottenham are still somehow behind them? Just brings me such complete and utter delight. Ericsson's piecing out. He's like, fuck you guys, I'm done. Yeah, he's not even... Like, I can't wait. When's this uh, Spurs documentary coming out? Is it the end of the season? Because I don't think I can wait that long. Yeah, not soon enough. <laughs> Need to rush this shit through. Come on. Yeah, I think I think there might be uh, a hiatus on that series. If- and someone needs to helicopter in and rescue Hingman's son because he's too good of a player and too nice of a person to be rotting away on a garbage Spurs team. I think he's beginning to wish he didn't win the Asia Games. <laughs> oh, God, that's so fucked up. <laughs> He'd have preferred to do national service for two years than be in the current Tottenham squad. I mean, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think I don't, yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. Did Harry Kane or not play in this one? Did Harry Kane or not play in this game? Did or did not Harry Kane play <laughs> did in this or one? Did because not. at this point, Still it's impossible bad. to tell. Still pretty bad vocabulary right there. Um, Harry Kane not did play, uh, not did not play. He played. He played. <laughs> he did play. Okay, because it looks like he didn't. I mean, it's hard to tell at this fucking point because he's so bad. <laughs> he hasn't been good for like two years, man. And people are still talking about him as like England's number nine elite striker. Harry Kane. His, his numbers have been below average. I mean, I've heard people talking about him uh, now that, you know, is Tammy Abraham potentially going to be someone they look at um, as being, you know, this international break especially that's coming up. Um as being the starting number nine, it's but you like you can't argue with it. If if this thing, you know, this misnomer apparently that uh, Southgate has said that he'll pick players on form, like surely you get Abraham and you convince Vardy to come out of retirement. Yeah, the two of them are. We didn't talk about that so much with the Chelsea match, but the two of them are running away with the golden boot. It's just back and forth, back and forth, man. But it's strange that Kane. I mean, it. It there was. It kind of everything kind of happened for Tottenham at once, didn't it? But he started off the season looking like Harry Kane of old. I'm, I'm sure you brought it up with his like the number yeah. of sprints per ninety, and I think there was like two matches where that was the case, and then immediately just fell off again. It was, it was just like a blip. But mm. as a, if you look at the entire season so far, he hasn't just been not great. He's been definitively below average for the Premier League, like a subpar striker, and it's been. An, at least 18 months, arguably 36, since he was, like, at the top, top level. And it's those ankle injuries, man. It Like, it really just, like, it fucks with you. It's, we saw it with Fernando Torres. And I think that there's a certain extent of, like, you know, he's English, so no one wants to admit it. I think there's definitely an element of that. Yeah, 100%. But there's, what's, so what's the way forward for Tottenham? Our friend Jack in the in a group chat was, like, their 2014 or 2015, one of the bad Mourinho years at Chelsea, the one that got him fired, where they just fucking gave up and everything was super toxic. And it does have those same vibes. Like, those players just look like they want out, but the manager wants out too. Like, what's... But even if you bring someone else in, like, they've got no chance of making top four at this point, right? Like, they're just barely hanging on for mid-table. I just think that, I mean, Tottenham, in in the last few years especially, they've had such opportunity in such a good run and and they've always been hailed as this team that like they can actually do something for once and I think when you have a group of players uh, that you then 
because you see this sometimes you see this in uh maybe like in your workplace or or in teams you've had like when you have like some success it's very hard to then sustain that without some sort of outside influence or some changes or or something to kind of reignite it right so for Tottenham they had those two years of not bringing in any new players so the same players have just had the same kind of nearly men kind of feeling around them and I think eventually there's just frustration that can kind of build not necessarily in a malicious way uh although it can kind of manifest like that that they're just they're frustrated because they're like right well what the fuck do we have to do or what's going to happen or can we actually do this and and then at some point that just be kind of kind of becomes unstable and and I think it's just it's almost like uh there were chances there for Tottenham uh, especially in that year that Jack mentioned, because that was the year that Leicester won the league, um, when Tottenham came in second and it was kind of the first year of, holy shit, like this Tottenham team could do something and they kind of let, let Leicester, you know, just kept going and kept going and kept going. Um, it just feels like maybe that's that was it. That was their chance. And because of that, there's kind of a lot of fallout players like Ericsson and now like, well, I'm going to go somewhere else and... Tottenham's tight wage structure has always been a huge thing and I think when you're when you have these kind of opportunities dangled in front of you or you know of them around it can eventually it can make your head turn if you feel like no matter how much you you keep going in your current situation it's not going to change yeah and there was rumblings of this last year as well I remember at the beginning of the like our preview pod for the first year that we were a podcast going into the season we talked about like the discontent in the locker room with Pochettino allegedly and how he had frozen out Alderweireld and like a couple of the other players didn't take kindly to that. And then it just kind of like that story seemed to just go away over the course of last season. Um, Alderweireld didn't really come back into the team for a long time, but like everything else just kind of papered over the cracks. You have to wonder looking at that Champions League final and see if that's a turning point because like if they had won that you know, maybe everybody's happy, everybody's in a good mood going into this year, as opposed to losing that 1-0. And, you know, it's yet another in a long line of, like, almosts, that that was just maybe the final straw. Well, you had the the semi-final win against Ajax with the Lucas Moura late hat-trick, uh, which then, you know, created such a huge feeling that it was touted that maybe that was the final for Tottenham. And then the way in which Liverpool won and, and Tottenham lost uh, the Champions League final with that very early handball that just killed everything from the game and there was nothing else. Like it was a it was a horrible, horrible game to watch. Um and and you can see the obviously the psychological boost that's had on Liverpool. And so I think of course, especially going back to what I said earlier, it's like when you add that in, it's almost like those players again after now four or five years are like fuck, we've got it, we've got it here, it's in our hands, and then literally the ball was in their hands, so then they couldn't win. (laughs) It feels like a divorce to me. It feels like a relationship that's just been slowly degrading, and you, like, try to make it work, you, like, do a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you're like, maybe we can fix this thing, and just, you know, after years, you're like, nah, fuck it, this is just done. Like, it's just Mm. done. Everything all right at home, mate? <laughs> yeah, everything's great. Um, Just you know, we've all been through breakups before, though, so um, I think everybody knows what that's like. But I, I think they just blow it up. I think they're like, "Fuck it, sell Kane, sell Ericsson, sell Ali," 
and you know Pochettino can fuck off to Madrid or to Man United or wherever he wants to go and just fucking start over. They have their new stadium. Maybe they finally break their wage structure and just like just do a new thing because this thing is done. Yeah, there's a lot of. I think it's at that point. I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe Jack will disagree because obviously you know this is just outsider. Whereas someone who goes to all the games and knows the team and, and has supported them all their life can maybe tell that it kind of feels like if there is going to be a change now at Tottenham, the the time for like the gradual change is kind of over, that it is kind of a quite a big overhaul. And I think you're right. If they, to be able to do that, there's, there's going to have to be a lot of offloads and kind of changing the way they do things. Yeah. And the new stadium feels like it's potentially a good reason or excuse to be like a fresh start, you know? Of course. But I tell you a team that doesn't have to change the way they're doing things Leicester City, bloody Nora, they mm-hmm. are flying. They are flying. Leicester two, Arsenal zero. Leicester. Oh, it was against Arsenal. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> one uh, one point four on XG to Arsenal's point nine. So moderately lucky, I guess, uh, but not quite Burnley of the week territory. Um, but like as you said, Leicester Leicester has hot finishing, and some of that is Jamie Vardy being an elite level striker. Um, and some of that is luck, but fucking A, man, they're rolling. Jamie Vardy himself is overperforming his XG by six. Right. Just on his own. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he's Burnley of the week. Yeah, Jamie Vardy is Burnley, Burnley of every of week. Um, yeah, okay. Leicester, Leicester overperforming their XG by 13.3. Third. Like it just keeps going up. Let's see what the second most overperforming is, just for some context for the people. We got Tottenham overperforming at four. Tottenham. It is Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tottenham and Liverpool. Actually, Tottenham and Liverpool are overperforming oh by four. Hey, Tottenham, you're the second most overperforming team in the league for goals. <laughs> for XG. Yeah. What up? And Watford are still down seven. <laughs> like, underperforming Jeez. by seven. Oh God. Poor Watford. But yeah, Leicester, like, if we can say there's good times happening at Chelsea, like, there's good bloody times happening at Leicester. Yeah, fuck yeah. Second in the league going into the break. They've got to feel bloody amazing. And all the stats keep coming out about the, you know their title winning season, and they're in. They, they've earned. I think it's like eight more points now at this point than they had that year. Um, obviously, they that doesn't account for the fact that the team above them is Liverpool. Yeah, um, eight points clear of them. Eight points clear after twelve fucking games. That's mental. But yeah, that's just good times. Like they just want to attack everything. Everyone wants to get involved. Um, they're just hammering teams, and it's yep. it's you know Brendan Rodgers is is has done a fantastic job there. And uh, on the other end of this, you have Arsenal, who dropped down to sixth in the table going into the break. And if you sort them by expected points, they're actually below Tottenham. <laughs> oh, well, that's there you how go, bad Spurs Arsenal fans. have been. <laughs> there you go, Jackie. <laughs> have that one, mate. I mean, it's point zero one of a point, but <laughs> you know. Still. <laughs> points is points, mate. Man, Arsenal need to fire their manager. Fuck. Tell me what about it. What are they it. waiting Jesus. for? Like, what are they honestly waiting for? It's been such a weird thing now that, that you know, it's come out about Granite Xhaka that Emery said potentially he's never going to play for the club again, which seems a weird flex when you've kind of defended him for the way in which he treated, the way in which he acted because of, you know, the abuse and horrendous stuff he's had against him but that is a club that don't 
you know, polar opposite to Leicester and, you know, teams like Burnley. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're meant to be. For Emery, it's just put 11 players on the pitch and, and that's it. Like, so it's, it seems baffling that, like, the last game they played against Wolves, his reaction was that, you know, the result didn't go the way we wanted, but we played the way we wanted. But no one can really see, like, the identity there. And it's kind of carried over to this game again that it's... Yeah, and now all of a sudden Ozil's getting minutes again. It really does feel like chickens without heads. Like they just yeah. have no Abameyang's, idea. Abameyang's now the captain. <laughs> yeah. um, they need to do a bachelor type show to pick their next captain. Like, don't just vote. <laughs> Let the people see the process. Do a rose yeah. ceremony. Amazon, are you listening? Get get involved. Be- behind the scenes, football seems to be your thing now. Come on, Amazon, commission <laughs> this. Um, but like, yeah, Chuck's right. There seems to be no plan. You can say one week that you're happy with the identity even if the result wasn't good blah 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 and then this week he plays with three at the back for the first time in Christ knows how long mm-hmm. yep. wing backs which I, you can get the idea of playing with wing backs because you want to nullify Leicester's width which um, is something Chuck said uh, when they were talk, uh, playing at Southampton um, that they were just constantly doing the same thing and Southampton just didn't know how to deal with it so I get I get that you want some width in defence and play wing backs, but it's like no one had told the players how to do it. So he's he's basically just said, "This is the formation we're playing." Off you go, and there was just no plan whatsoever beyond that. And it feels like we've been talking about this for a fucking year. He came in on like I think it was the same week as Sorry he got hired, like right around the same time. And we said like, okay, they need a few months, both of them to settle in. We I, we were trying to be patient. I was trying to be patient with Sorry. But by January of last year, we for both of them, we were like, okay, it's been a while. They need to fucking figure this out. Who are you? What are you doing? And Emery is still there, still just grasping at straws. There's no fucking clue what he's doing. We talked about this in the preview pod. We said it at like week two or week three. We were like, how long How long do you have to be patient to be like see his system come to life? And at this mm. point, it's like we're 12 weeks into the second season of him. And he has no fucking clue who his best players are or what, he, what formation to play. Like – this is wildly unacceptable. As a Chelsea fan, I love it and I delight in watching <laughs> Arsenal like drown. But like from it, like if I'm Adam, right, our good friend Adam P, if I'm watching this and then like they just not continue to not fire Emery, fucking Emery out, bro. Like I, I think honestly at this point the Arsenal fans would gladly take Mourinho over Probably. Emery. Um, and that's how it's gotten. We should say actually because Adam is uh, at three five who on Twitter and he did a little thing saying about how. It might it might be that they're keeping Emery in because of finances, because of how much it would cost to fire him and the backroom staff involved, and so. And if that's the case, you're just like, does it? I mean, you've got to prioritise results on the pitch at some point, surely, because you're going to be at this rate, you're going to be out of the Champions League um, for another year. Yeah, and Champions League is worth like a hundred million. Exactly. Right? Like the difference between fourth place and fifth place is an absurd amount of money. Exactly. I mean, at some point, you've got to spend the money and just go, we've got to cut our losses here, because it is cutting your losses. I mean, that's where we're at now. Yeah, and if we go to the Champions League conversation, Arsenal are down to 11%, according to 538, to make the top four to qualify. Like, that is bleak. Yeah, it really they're, is. Like really, of the of the big six, they're the least likely to make the Champions League, according to five thirty eight. United are at thirteen percent, and Tottenham are at eighteen percent. Fucking hell! And you you've got to wonder then, like, 
you know, it's like I said with uh, Palace and Zaha earlier, like, players like Aubameyang and Lacazette, like, they're not going to stay around for that shit. Like... No. You know, and when, you, you know, we can say all we want about the Arsenal fan base being toxic, but, you know, they're crying out for Meza Ursil to play. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how backwards everything's gone. But obviously we said, like, it's, it's going to take a lot of time because of the way... You know, Wenger had been there for 20-something years. Um, it's a huge change. But I think the reason, like, Sarri, managers like Sarri and Emery can cause problems is, is is either they're too dogmatic to the way they have to play. So they just try and fit these square pieces in round holes everywhere. It doesn't necessarily work. Or they just keep trying different things constantly. Yeah. And that just seems to be what it's just a scattergun approach with Arsenal that they don't play the same formation or the same players. You know, it's like like you said, Ian, they, they hadn't played three at the back for fucking months and months and months. And then you're just supposed to expect these players to know how to do that. Like, they don't have any commanding players. They just a lot of kind of volatility. You know, you've got players like Gwenduzi who, you know, it's mental that a penalty didn't get given for when he pulled back uh, Soyuncu in the box. It was very, very strange that that didn't get given for anything. You've got players like David Luiz who are just, God knows. Torreira is is very volatile as well and can cause problems. Like, there's no... It's been a very, very long time for Arsenal. There's been those players that can just take the ball, command, and just be like, right, no, this has to be here, this has to be here. And that's why the, the Aubameyang as captain is... It just seems daft to me. It doesn't seem like there's any player in that team that can be a captain because they're not... You, your best player isn't your captain, right? No, Your no, most no, attacking no. player isn't your captain. By and large, it should be someone in the central midfield who is just going to, like I said, have their foot, put their foot on the ball, get people in the right places, pick out the passes and just drive the game along and just control the whole fucking tempo. Arsenal don't have that. Yeah, I mean, look at Liverpool. I mean, they have Jordan Henderson as their captain. He doesn't play week in, week out. I mean, he plays most games, but he doesn't play week in, week out. But he's a great captain for Liverpool. Yeah. No, is he, is he the best player in the league? No. no. But at what he does, and you can tell that, well, you can tell he massively gives a fucking shit and yeah. wants to control that team, that it just every all the other pieces then play their part. And it, that Arsenal don't have that whatsoever. And I think if Arsenal were moving towards something, like a clear sort of thing that they're like, okay, they're not quite there yet, but like we know what they're going for and they're getting a little better every week, fine. You know, you want to build it. You Mesut Ozil, we joke, but he's good enough that you could build a team around him. But you have to build the team around him. You have to fucking pick what your thing is and then work towards it. Like, David Luiz has strong captain potential. He could have been Chelsea's next captain if he stuck around after Cahill. Like, we love a good center defender. Being our captain, because he has that, like, fight in him. He's a little, like, headless chicken sometimes, a little insane, but he has the passion. He likes bringing players along with him and, like, dragging them up when he's fired up. And it's effective. Like, it really is when he's going. But, you know, like, obviously he's new, so they sh- I'm not saying they should make David Luiz their captain, but they need somebody to be the fucking focal point, both in terms of the tactics and in terms of the heart of the team. Like... There's just nothing going on. So I think they need to... Like, obviously, this isn't a hot take by any means, but they need to fire him. I think it's just yeah. time to move on. But, you know, and, and we'll summarise on this today. Sorry, Arsenal fans, but... Uh, well, this could be the kiss of death, actually. Arsenal have said they won't consider getting rid of Emery until the summer. Who do they play in their next few weeks? 
is this going to be a good run or a bad run for them? I mean, they've got Southampton, Norwich, uh, Brighton, West Ham. So those are good runs. But if they get through the next four matches, because West Ham away is right after that. If they get to the Man City match on December 15th, and they haven't gotten, I don't know, at least... Nine points. Nine points out of that? Six to nine points? No, I'd say nine points. You cannot, You can't be... You can't be Arsenal and be playing against Southampton, Norwich, Brighton, and West Ham, especially when three out of four of those teams are in fucking shit form and not get at very least three wins out of that. But each of those teams will be targeting that fixture. They will not oh, be scared of Arsenal in the slightest. And that's all you need to know. But Arsenal should just simply be better than them and then not. All right. So then I guess I don't want to, you know, kind of keep beating that dead horse that is Arsenal. So let's move on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> to uh, the Sunday matches, we had Wolves 2, Villa 1, Wolves 2.1 to Villa 0.5. Not much to say there. Pretty much exactly on the XG. Um, Wolves have the exact same points they do as the, this time last season. And considering their Europa League stuff and the way they've been performing, they have been fucking phenomenal. And I think it kind of goes un- unsaid that they, they should be higher in the table, but just a very slow start at the beginning has hindered that at a lot of games. Yeah, and they are, if you sort the table by expected points, they're seventh, and they're actually only 0.05 out, off of Leicester. So pretty much dead even. Mm. Um, so that does speak to, you know, Wolves' quality so far this year, but I don't think they're much to, like, anyone's particularly talking about them because there's too many other teams in the way. No, but it's fair of Chuck to say, uh, to mention it because we did think there'd be a Burnley style drop off because of European football. Mm. And there was at the beginning, there was at the beginning, but they've shook that off, but they've progressed further than Burnley did. Yeah, and I think Jimenez catching fire has been a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. And he's he's certainly one to consider for your FBL teams if you don't have them. Got him. <laughs> yeah, I, I am planning on getting him for Obama Yang maybe next week. Uh, but let's move on to Manchester United 3, Brighton 1. Manchester United, watch out. 3.7 on XG to Brighton's 1.1. So if anything, mildly underperforming with only the three goals. I feel like I remember someone saying that when Rashford and Martial came back, Tottenham's fortunes were going to turn around and their attack was going to get good. No. Oh, but maybe I'm wrong on that. You just said you just said Tottenham, so you can't even get <laughs> Did your I say Tottenham? God right. damn it. That's the second time you've done that. <laughs> That is the second week in a row. You, yeah, you, you, you're you shit at this. <laughs> I'm too humble deep down. It's hard for me to brag. Yeah. Martial and Rashford were really good. Like, they were combining in the box. They had all sorts of passes back and forth between them. Like, genuinely, that was a good attacking display. Yes, it's against Brighton. But, like, that they didn't have that in them a month ago. We talked about, like, that three-run stretch where they scored one goal against three garbage teams. And now they scored three goals against the garbage team. Actually, not even. Brighton have been pretty good this year, in fairness to Brighton. Yeah, they've, they've especially in recent, uh, by recent form, they have been very good. Again, they had a shit start and then, you know, a good run within six games. I think they got 10 points, 11 points in the last yep. six games and just kind of shot up the table. And so that speaks more highly to Manchester United's performance even beyond, like, you know, against a normal Brighton. And I think, you know, with that win, they have jumped up to seventh. And they're only one point off of fifth. So they're getting right in that conversation for, you know, potentially having a a base on which to jump towards the fourth place. Yeah, but I mean, they're still in the amorphous blob of shit in the middle of the league. You know what I mean? Like the fact that they've been on this run and they can have players exactly like you said, Marshall and Rashford. And yeah, they can be one point off fifth, but fifth is Sheffield United. 
And Sheffield United have been amazing since they came up, but it shouldn't be that teams like United, Arsenal and Tottenham are stuck, especially at this period, stuck in that core of teams. Yeah, and especially behind a promoted one is like super, super telling. Yeah, I mean, it it is fucked up that the gap between 16th and 5th is four points after 12 games. But I think that is, that's obviously mostly because you've got Arsenal, Man United and Tottenham that aren't performing. I think if they were performing to their usual numbers of years gone by, you would see, again, a gap between the top seven, eight teams. And I think that is exactly kind of the point, too, because like you, you know, like we said, if they were performing to their ability or to their numbers, like when you sort the table by XGA, they're the best defense by underlying numbers. And when you sort by XG, they have the fourth best attack by underlying numbers. And so if they can start actually seeing those numbers actualize in the results and in the on the pitch then they have a decent shout to eventually, hopefully, maybe catch Leicester. Like, eventually, hopefully, maybe. <laughs> Three caveats in there. Well, sure. You don't even believe your own fucking predictions, mate. Insofar as we want a fourth place race or a race for the top four, they're the only last hope for that to happen. Like, the gap to Leicester is kind of too big at this point, maybe. You know, that's why, like, if you look at 538's predictions, Leicester are 63% for top four. And then below that, wow. Tottenham, and the Tottenham, United, and Arsenal are all below 20%. And of those three, I think United are the only ones likely to kind of make that push. So if you want a top four race, you kind of have to hope that they start getting their shit together and, and hitting those numbers. More games like this where they actually score the goals that they create. They have to keep their players fit as well because I think their squad, especially from a, a, an attacking point of view, is pretty thin. Um, they've already been playing um, Pereira as a number 10, haven't they? Yeah, and he is not. <laughs> He's definitely yeah, I mean, not that's, a number 10. that's a worry. And so if they've got to keep everyone fit because with it, like they only need Martial and someone else to go and you, who are you playing? You know, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit thin. Thin up top, like me. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when's Pogba due back? I'm looking, I'm on uh, Ben Dinnery's site, the premierinjuries.com. He said, as of November 6th, I think Paul said it himself, it won't be too long until he's out of his cast. He's going to work through the break. Hopefully we'll have him back in early December. So him coming back that quickly is, it could be a boost for them. You know, talking about missing a number 10, like he could be an amazing number 10. He could kind of be whatever you need him to be in the midfield. Uh, enough about this. Let's go to the other side of Manchester. Yeah, well, one big match to talk about, I guess, here going into the break. Yes. <laughs> you know, save the best for last. We had Liverpool 3, Manchester City 1. Ian, cue up the jingle because... Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. Liverpool 1.3 on XG to Manchester City's 1.5. You hate to see it, you love to see it. The only <laughs> delight I took in this match, because I don't want Liverpool to win the fucking league, especially not on the 30th anniversary of the last time they won the top division oh, is it? Oh, title, because how insufferable are Liverpool fans going to be next year? <laughs> but seeing Pep throwing little hissy fits on the sideline and going up to the refs afterwards was so delightful. Yeah. I mean, they're both prone to it, though, aren't they? Like They're both very incredibly passionate mental people that are just the worst <laughs> losers in the world yeah, yeah. like yeah. Pep will go like that and just you sarcasm and there's been stuff screaming twice into the fourth official's face and then 
casting his head back the into the sky. Yeah. Oh, to the heavens, like twice, <laughs> father. Um, and and Klopp will obviously blame everything from the temperature to the winds to the length of grass. Like it's yeah. they're both insufferable when they fucking lose. It's horrendous. And we'll we'll get into the specifics in a second, but let's just take a look at the big picture sort of relevance of that result going into the break. Liverpool, according to 538, and it, we are getting to the point where these models are highly, highly predictive, are at 67% for the title after that result. City dropped to 29, and hey look at us, from 1% to 3%. Chelsea are in with a <laughs> shout, baby. Yes, it's <laughs> going up. Chances. Let's look at it this way, mate. Three times more likely to win the league now. Yep. Bang. <laughs> Three times more likely. Two-thirds, though, probability for Liverpool. That's a lot, and it's a huge gap. And do you think that, especially now it's happening at such an early point of the season, do you think that robs a lot of the kind of narrative going forward that unless Liverpool do a Liverpool, we're not <laughs> we're just gonna have like City a couple of years ago where it's like, well that's that's done and dusted. This team wins the league. Does it take some of the shine off of it, or does it just mean that we have to deal with Liverpool fans being insufferable for longer? Because I'd much rather they won it on the last day of the season than they won it after 12 weeks and were just ahead. <laughs> and then it was just constantly, we're amazing, we're amazing, we're yeah. amazing, we're amazing. Because they are. Don't get me wrong. It's not even just that City are a little behind. This result dropped City to fourth place. They're behind yeah. us and Leicester in the table. And obviously by expected points, they're still by far the best team. But you're getting far enough into the season that like the expected versus the actual is really making a difference. Like, City are in fourth fucking place. Who's angrier? I'm going to post this on our... Um, I left it as a draft, so I'm going to post it after we're done recording. But who's angrier going into the break? City in fourth place or Tottenham in 14th? I don't think Tottenham have emotions anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I think they're just... Dead inside. Dead inside, outside. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a long fucking way off to Liverpool, man. And it does feel like for so early in the season, we might not have a title race. We might not have a top four race and we might not have a relegation race. Like, I don't remember this early on all three of those things being so strongly like out of balance. I think it's a stretch to say all three that there isn't. I mean, top four, I can kind of. There's still potential there, like you've said. You know, I I don't think you can say that when you're also drumming on about Man United. Stop just doing predictions to cover all bases, so you'll always be right. <laughs> you scattergun prick. I'm really not. I said, well, whatever. Go ahead. Palace for fourth. I think potentially, yeah. Palace for fourth. Man, Palace Man United are fourth, but the top four race is over. Hang on a minute. What is what is going on? Um, but I think if Liverpool carry on the way they are, obviously that kills the title race. That's that's gone done. Um, you'd expect, you know, some of the league to kind of sort itself out. But you know, Leicester look like they're still pushing, which makes it for interesting. Wolves, again, you know, they are where they are now, but a lot of that is more recent uh, performances and, and climbing up the league. So they're on an upward trajectory. Uh, Watford and Southampton. I mean, yeah, Norwich are down. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> I like the way that that's not even considered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've, that something's got to happen there because there's, there's literally no signs of life whatsoever. There's nothing and they can Watford, do to fix that either. They're Watford, just yes, they've only had one win, which was again against the worst team in the league. So, 
there's teams that are in danger of being dragged down into that. There's still a hell of a lot. It's just that the middle of the league is so big right now. It's hard to kind of categorically say anything because any team that could go on a run, I mean, yeah, we joke about Palace and whatever, but, you know, we've got four points from incredibly difficult games. Mm. Uh, That's from the last five. We're about to play Liverpool. So, you know, easy. Um, won't get won't get battered there at all after the inter. We'll win that game, won't we? Yeah, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's totally. That's like the most palacey palacey in Palace Land. Absolutely. Um, but then once we get Liverpool out of the way, then Palace Palace have got Burnley, Bournemouth, Watford, Brighton, Newcastle, West Ham, Southampton, Norwich, Arsenal again. Like you could get twenty seven points from those games. Easy, easy for it's sure. It's only seven. It's only seven games, but you could get twenty seven points from it. Don't check the math. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. When you play Arsenal, you get nine. <laughs> Without drilling into the detail, obviously, of every team, like there is so much opportunity for for any teams to just be stringing along results like that that they just shoot up the league all of a sudden out of nowhere. I mean, mm. it, it happened with Brighton. You know, Burnley didn't have a great start to the season, but once again, they're doing a Burnley, and now they're in tenth. Like Everton, do you, as much as I don't like Everton, do we expect them to be that low in the league? No, table? but if you look at the sort of key positions, there is an eight-point gap from second to first and an eight-point gap from fifth to fourth. Those are big gaps. Like maybe the mm. relegation race is a little closer, but like eight points is a fucking lot of points. Like Sheffield are the team in fifth. You know what I'm saying? It's like – No, I'm saying – yeah, I'm sorry. That came out a little bit, but like it, it's it's fucking serious. This is not a joke. This is not a drill. You know what I mean? Like, no. I've, I nicked this from uh, FPL Chancellor on Twitter. But Standard. We don't come up with any of our own shit. Exactly. But Liverpool are 17 points ahead of fifth place Sheffield United, who have 17 points. I mean... I didn't even think about that. That's... I, I, when I Yeah, when I read that, I was just like, Jesus Christ, that really does sort of distill exactly what you guys have been saying. Well, they... they... After 10 games, and, and after this, I think we should really go into some specifics of this game. But I, I think after 10 games, Liverpool had the highest points total after 10 games ever. So they are equaling or potentially past the record of best start in the Premier League constantly as we go from week to week. And continuously burn, burn along the way, which is kind of the, <laughs> the best part of it. Is that is that almost like jingle all the way, but we're just making a football-based version? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, with a northern Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. So a big part of that Burnleying is that they were just kind of hitting City on the break. Um, and one of their goals, the one that we should kind of talk about, I guess, if we're going to get into any specifics here before we linger too long, is the big VAR controversy, right? The goal that – so to sort of set the context, the City, City were attacking on the right wing – Raheem Sterling was wide open at the far post. Wide fucking open. And they play a cross in. It hits off of, I think it was Silva. Yeah. And then into Trent Alexander-Arnold's arm, well and truly outstretched. And prevents it from hitting Raheem Sterling, getting to Raheem Sterling rather. And then immediately on the counter, one, two passes. And Liverpool are in the box. And they score. Right. Um, And then I believe that one was... Oh, no, the, the Salah one was the later one that was potentially reviewed for offside also on VAR. So mm. a couple of VAR, and it was it was a bad weekend for VAR. Even I, who defend it pretty staunchly, like it was not a good weekend for VAR. But let's hear your takes on the penalty and subsequent Liverpool goal in the other direction. Well, from the angles I've seen of that ball being played across, like from kind of horizontal to the pitch, it doesn't actually look like it hits 
Trent Alexander-Arnold's arm at all. <laughs> obviously, I don't know how it looks from the high angles, but you kind of wonder potentially because of that, is that what makes it not clear and obvious enough for it to actually be given as a handball? Well, and the first angle, you couldn't see it clearly. No, you couldn't see it. But then there's that other angle. Did yeah. you guys over there get to like... The, you know how they sometimes do fake 3D where they cut from one camera yeah. angle to the other? Yeah. Did you see yeah. that version of it? Yeah. Because that was pretty damning. Yeah. it's it, Yeah, I think this one, it's, it's really tricky because his arm is away from his body, which, you know, they're talking about unnatural positions all the time. Um, but it also ricocheted very quickly. It was like less than half a second, I think, between mm-hmm. it ricocheting off Bernardo Silva, who handballed it himself. Didn't they change... The rule, I oh, know that's if it's leading to a goal, isn't it? That's exactly it. If it's an attacking, if it's an attacking handball, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to bring up, Ian. Is that for all the people pissed off, the city fans pissed off that like I? So there's there's kind of two things for me here. The first is that yes, it was very clearly a handball. I think like his arm was outstretched and it yeah took away a goal scoring opportunity for Raheem Sterling. So I think that is like decidedly a penalty, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it is the borderline handball kind of situation where you'll have other people come in and be like, no, 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 not an out, you know, not a handball, shouldn't have been a pen. And so I don't think it's VAR's job to decide whether or not it was a penalty. It's VAR's job to decide whether or not it was clearly and obviously wrong to not give it. And so in that regard, I don't think it should have been overturned. And then also the second thing, and Ian, you, you alluded to this, it bounced off of an attacker's hand. And so even if Trent hadn't hit it, if it went to Raheem Sterling, that would have been disallowed on VAR because of the new rule where it hit an attacker's hand in the phase of play that led to a goal. goal. So either way, like, shut up. You can't really complain about it because, like, (laughs) it's a borderline call, so not a VAR situation. And if you are using, like, oh, VAR, 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 it's like, well, VAR, VAR, VAR would have taken it away anyway. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Did it definitely hit Bernardo Silva's arm? Because... Yeah, like like City have seen this year anyway with uh, Laporte, I think it was that if it hits your arm and then you score from it, that's it. It doesn't doesn't matter anyway. So was there was there an element of City kind of stopping playing because of this, which helped the oh, Liverpool counter attack? Yeah, definitely because Aguero briefly lost his mind, which is fair enough because he was right there and saw it. So he's obviously going to appeal massively. But yeah, there were a few players that just seemed to stop what they were doing and just assume it was going to, you know, be play was going to be brought up. But uh, you can't do that. Nope. And what was it? Five, six minutes in uh, Liverpool score. I, there's a wider, there's a wider issue here with the remaining 85 minutes of the game that Pep can't fucking moan about that one single. Yeah. I know that it wasn't that one single incident, but you know, you've got, you've got time to fix the situation. It's bigger yeah. than that. You know, and for by far, it's not even fucking close. The best attack in the league, they're 30, 38 xg. The next best is us at twenty six. So they are so far and away the best attack in the league. For you to have that much time to make a win happen, like make a win happen, bro, one way or another. And yeah, they won the xg battle, but like not by that much. But what about the the second? Because the second goal. Uh, again, there's there's controversy about that because it doesn't seem to be that there's there was much time taken over it at all, and and I haven't seen any of the you know these red and blue lines that get drawn, which is what what I was kind of alluding to with the Lundstrom one 
which yeah, that was ridiculous. United, is that it seems like, uh, and again, because of the different uh, when they're setting up, you can take a snapshot, obviously before the final decision is displayed. But it looks like they take Lundstrom's line from his arm, not even like his armpit, as has been used two times now. That that's what's been used. To do it, it. Well, I, I know it looks like that. I know it looks like that, but I did see a good explanation of it where it it wasn't. The calibration line was from the front of his boot. Uh, so it, but the, because when the vertical line was drawn up, it looked like it was coming down from. It, it was stupid, but it yeah. looked like it was coming from his hand. He was a toenail offside, like a toenail. And I think that there's a bigger problem yeah. there, Chuck, which is like there's some debate as to whether the line was drawn in the right place. But also, this is something that Dave said a few weeks ago, the, like the speed of the cameras, the frame rate, and the literal, like, you're hitting the upper yeah. limits of the technology. Well, we, we had it with Raheem Blurling. Yeah, Raheem Blurling. Raheem exactly. Blurling in like week three or something where he was running so fast they couldn't take a point. Yeah, they literally drew a line from a blur of, yeah, of, of, exactly. of his and chest. And I, and I saw someone worked it out based on Sterling speed and the camera's I think that was Dave. The... I think that was our friend Dave Matteo. Was it Dave? Yeah, let's I'm say Dave. I'm pretty sure it was. Well done, yeah. Dave. Um, worked out that because of the frame rate and the, the cameras and you having to work out when the ball actually leaves the boot, you've effectively got about a 20 centimetre variance in in the images, potentially, that that's the window for what you can be offside. So anyway, we've got bogged down in that kind of stuff enough yeah. and VAR is doing everyone's fucking head in. And again, Dave, tweeted us to say to say he felt vindicated as he was the one who told us it would be shit um <laughs> but you know at least we get to watch better football with it still um but <laughs> i that. didn't see any of that with the Salah one because the the sheffield united was bad var not just because it was that but also it took about three and a half minutes oh it was painfully um, and just long. killed everything in the stadium it yeah. was horrendous but the Salah one apparently was very very quick it was very quick. So that's the, the, there is a problem with consistency when it comes to just how long you're going to give it. I mean, if it takes you three and a half minutes to work it out, then... Just give it. There's just give it. Doubt, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Benefit the doubt of the striker. We want to see goals, don't we? I mean, that is ultimately what Especially we want to see. Especially for Lundstrom when he's yeah. my fucking FBL captain. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We want I to do see think goals. there was a bit of an element of like, this is Liverpool, this is Man City, we don't want to decide the title race with that, this. Yeah, and maybe, so they but... were trying not to, which actually kind of backfired in that situation because they were like, it's a goal, just leave it, fine. No, but the problem is it made it made the situation worse because the obviously a VAR check was done, but it was very quick. And the game restarted very quickly. So TV cameras just cut straight back to the action. So then immediately Twitter exploded with, they didn't even fucking check that one. Where was the lines? Where was this? Where was that? And if you just watched the halftime analysis, they immediately went back to it, showed you the lines. And to, to be fair, it looked perfectly reasonable. So it, it was just a case of the the game ran away with it a bit. Now, what what do we want? Do we want three and a half minutes for every VAR check so as we can all go, oh yeah, no, we're you're right. That toenail was keeping him onside or playing him offside or whatever it was. We don't want that, but we do want some consistency. There's got to be something because three and a half minutes, like for one decision that looks and feels wrong, to. 30 seconds for a decision that we all needed another look at because when I saw the first when I saw it in the first instance I was watching it with Finley and I just went that won't count that's not a goal 
Yeah. And and then and then we restarted the game without actually seeing it on our TV screens. And you you are left going that seems iffy. And then you, you see it at half time and it's absolutely fine. Would have been a shame if that was disallowed too, because that was a beautiful goal. It was yeah. very very yeah. good. But it 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 genuinely seems like, and I mentioned this before about how they uh, manage the referees to effectively tell them a quota of, yeah. you know, you're giving too many yellow cards, you're not giving enough oh, yellow cards. So Almost obvious. like there's an XG stat for that that has been going on for years and years, right? Um, and it seems like VAR is being reactive to VAR in that when they have a day, and I'd, I'd love for someone with more time and energy than me, Dave, please do it, to work out <laughs> if more of our decisions are front-loaded into the week. And then if there's quite a lot, do you then see less later in the week? Or if there's less in the beginning of the week with overturned decisions, etc., do you then see more at the end of the week? Almost like they're, they're kind of reacting to it as opposed to what it should be, which is what everything should be, is just that one situation on its own yeah. and to, in order to get the consistency, which is non-existent. I love when conspiracy theory Chuck comes out to play. That is my favorite version of Chuck. Because I fully think that there might be something to that, but I'm also very prone to believing in conspiracy theories. So I'm like, yeah, fucking check it. I bet the 7.30 kickoff has all the VAR. Let's see. Let's find out. All of the VAR. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Man City fans will moan about uh, the amount of injuries they had. And, you know, did they play their strongest side? No. Did Liverpool play their strongest side? Fuck yeah! But you know, you play you play what's in front of you, and and that's the situation. City would have benefited from that in the past. Liverpool will benefit from it uh, this time, and you you can't really take anything away from that. Yep. All right, let's move on there because we have been talking about soccer for a really fucking long time, and let's go to our FPL team. Is that what's Ooh, next? Oh yeah, baby! FPL team. Uh, just the eighty-two points this week. Shut the front door. Sorry, 81. Oh, what? Uh, Rubbish week. Awful. Absolutely (laughs) awful. We had a good old time. Uh, Nick Pope uh, with the clean sheet and the three bonus points, I believe. Uh, Chilwell, the one we bought in, gets a clean sheet. Mane did all right. Madison, uh, Jimenez, Abraham, all banged. And Jamie Vardy, 12 points. Uh, The only pain is Tamori on the bench with nine, which is a bit of a shame. But... 81 points off the back of 84 points as well, gents. That's a pretty bloody yeah, good... Yeah, that's a massive couple of weeks for the team. We've got to say well done to the listeners, really. I mean, this is uh, yeah. this is their team. Yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the listeners, then, let's have the three suggestions so we can put it up to a poll for them. What are... Uh... Why don't we start with Ian? What's your suggestion for this week I, for the I transfer? I feel like we should start with Chuck, because I feel like every week we've gone... But uh, I feel like we should start with Ian, because Ian hasn't had a chance to get in his humble brag of this week. So... Oh... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, how we... did you do this week in FPL, In my Ian? personal FPL. Let's get this out of the way because everyone's, t- everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about so... it. Let's just clear the air. <laughs> Let's, Let's just, lay yeah. it all out. and just... yeah. It's the number one trending topic in the world on Twitter. Exactly. Uh, certainly in Israel. Um, so, yeah, I, I was on a wild card this week uh, as I went through on my FPL pod at uh, patreon.com slash milesoffsidepod. And... Um, yeah, it came good. I ended on 92 points. Ooh. Um, oh, Lord, I do declare. 
<laughs> heavens and to I, Betsy. Heavens to Betsy. And I think I've gone up from 2 million in the world to about 700k, which Wowzers. is almost respectable. So You're also from last to top of the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good week. It was a it was a very good wild card. And I still didn't captain my highest scorer. I mean I captained Abraham. Well, that's because you're a fucking idiot, clearly. So if you knew what you were doing, you would have had a hundred. So, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous because now I'm in last place. God damn it. Yeah, captain points hit over there. <laughs> yeah. You need to stop yep. doing that. I looked I looked this week and thought, oh, Oscar's gonna catch me and like be ahead and Ian overtook me. Fuck shit. Oh wait, no, Oscar took a points hit, it's fine. Am I behind by less than the points hit? One point. Uh so the points well depends on who I transferred, but that's frustrating. That is frustrating. Alright, so let's have, let's have it then. Now that you had your humble brag, Ian, what is your proposed move for our community FPL team this week? Oh, it's super boring. Um, but I am going to go with uh, Campwell out because he's had enough chances. He's getting less minutes now, and he came on during the uh, Norwich. Uh, well, who did Norwich play? Watford. Norwich Watford game and did not look good. So Campwell out, and I'm going to go for Traore in. Um, he looked great, great against Aston Villa. Always running at players, always looking to create. So Campwell to Traore. Yeah, Traore's in good form too, and at 5.1, he's an amazing enabler. So that's a pretty good suggestion. I was going to say, like, both of you are pretty hot on him, and didn't you both get him into your your own teams this week? Uh, I'm potentially looking at him for next week. I thought about it this week, but I didn't go for it. Didn't oh, okay. And yeah, he was on my wildcard team. I, I left his assist on the bench, but yes, he was in my team. Right, Chuck, what are you saying? I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Is it? Well, same as you, obviously, because I can't be completely different. I'm Campwell Campbell. Campbell, he's got a go. Like, I've seen a lot of arguments. Uh, it was highlighted. Onel Hernandez for Norwich was very, very promising. Uh, yeah, he did, did look, look very good. good. And yeah. there were lots of graphics coming up that uh, in the match he was first for, like, chances created, successful dribbles, beating, but... Being first out of those 22 players isn't really saying much. Uh, so I think there's a bit of a full storm there. So Camwell out. And we've got to go for an absolute maverick. Yeah. Exciting to watch. Let's see Where's it. a headband? Can't score a goal for the life of him. We're bringing back St. Maximan. We're going St. Maximan overdrive and getting rid of Camwell. Oh, oh that's going to that's gonna be uh, fucking Traore, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. better fucking do, guys. It will when you do a social media campaign to bring him in. Bring in St. Maxim, man. Um, get rid of Campwell. Bang. Extra 0.7. That still leaves us with 0.5 in the bank as well. Uh, I'm going to assume that St. Maxim, man's going to go up in price. Um, <laughs> Just Because, you know, influencer. Well, if you've gone full truck with your suggestion, I am, of course, going to go full Oscar with mine. So, points hit and get Pulisic in? Yeah, I continue. Well, not a points hit. So, fine. I guess I'm not going full Oscar. But I continue to be confused by why we don't have Captain America Christian Pulisic. Uh, he is gonna go up in price again after that performance. And does he have? I think that does he have international duty? Is he? Do you know if he's going to play for the US? I don't know. I stopped watching the US because it's just <laughs> too depressing. It's, it's too depressing. Um, probably, I want to say. I don't know. Okay. But um, with Conte back and with Ruben potentially back right after the international break, I do think that it is time to consider moving on from Mount because he is at least a little bit, if not significantly, a rotation risk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about dropping him from my own team. That would hurt. And I have him at a steep, steep discount. So maybe not for now. But for the pod team, why not? Throw it out there. Mount to Pulisic. We can afford it. Pulisic is on the up and up. His price is going up. And I do think that it would be a good time to sort of move on from Mount and uh, keep our third Chelsea slot occupied. So Like it. Like it. Two very functional ones and then a slightly glamour pick with Pulisic. With St. Max? Oh, sorry. Sorry, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's obvious the marquee signing that we should make. Um, and to be fair, we should, you know, of course, with the benefit of hindsight, we probably should have got Pulisic in a few weeks ago. Probably should, but, you know. Yeah, that's a fair shout. Yeah, if uh, Oscar's... Although Oscar was banging the uh, Hudson O'Doy drum for a little while yeah he was and he fucked that one because he fucked my team as well I stupidly (laughs) listened to Oscar on that (laughs) all year you've been a dick to me sorry I had to go throw to Pulisic shortly thereafter as well (laughs) yeah I mean that's probably what I'm going to do in my own team so there you go that's what we're going to be voting on Uh, Mason Mount to Christian Pulisic and then uh, Campwell out for either the one that Ian said that I can't remember or doesn't matter, I won't get picked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Adama Traore, uh, who is the third... Obviously, this should have been... We should have done a new section for this alone, um, that Adama Traore has chosen to represent Mali as his international team, and he will be partnering with fellow wingers Adama Traore and yes. Adama Traore. Yes, that's amazing. Three of them in the Mali squad. Is that like a John Smith of Mali or something? It's fantastic. Yeah. And I think in the last international break, Adama Traore came on for Adama Traore. Yeah, there's as many Adama Traores as there are Musa Dembele's, which is just yeah. so hard to keep track of at this point. One of them is being linked with with Chelsea, but who knows what will happen. What about uh, Chuck? Let's go to Predictor League. I want to hear about the Predictor League. It's Ooh, been a while. We haven't done Predictor League in a while. Uh, so for those that don't know, before the season started, uh, we put a shout out for you guys to get involved and predict where you thought the uh, 20 Premier League teams will finish. Obviously, at the moment, everyone is wildly wrong <laughs> um, because this league is a crazy, crazy thing. And it's not, you know, if you're top, it's not necessarily indicative of you being good. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, top of the league, once again, Mr. Van Dam, Sam Danby, um, doing fantastically well with 68 points. Obviously, the less you get is the better. But in second place, and I'm glad that we can do this because he's going to fucking love this. His little face is going to light up. Finley Stimson no. in second place. Oh, uh, he's genuinely going to so- love that. Yeah, congratulations, everyone apart from Sam Danby. You're getting beaten by a nine-year-old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to love uh, that when I tell him. Oh, dear. Third place is uh, I might wake up. him up. Yeah, wake up. Get him up. Get him on the pod. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, third place is uh, Joe Bloom. And fourth place is... Oscar's wife, Emily. Dr. (laughs) Emily with Oscar in fifth place. So Oscar is getting beaten by his wife and a child. Yeah, still, fifth is better than he usually gets, so he's got to be happy with that. Oh, he's better than he ought to be. It's Oscar in fifth place. Yeah, that's pretty (laughs) much it. Uh, The XG will sort it out. And uh, shout out to Adam P for achieving what Oscar could never achieve last (gasps) year. No way! And finishing a game week on 100. Oh, triple digits. A round of applause there for resident punching bag, Adam P. Uh, you know, he's had quite a good week. He got himself a lovely new job, uh, so good on him. And he's also made himself into the Mop Hall of Fame by achieving 
100 points of wrongness in the predictability. <laughs> I'm kind of salty that someone besides me did it, but honestly, yeah. the fact that it's Adam is perfect, so... <laughs> Honourable mention as well to Jack Saunders and Johnny Worthington for being on 98. Oh. <laughs> Jack, who's a, who's a Tottenham fan, so... And Johnny, who's a Norwich fan, so not yeah, a lot going Yeah, bad down there with an Arsenal and Norwich and a Tottenham fan. Oh boy. <laughs> when it rains, it pours, I guess. This is it. So, talking of our community of listeners, um, you can get in touch with us at Miles Offside Pod on Twitter and Instagram and milesoffsidepod at gmail.com. Um, what else did I have to say? There was something else I had to say. I'm guesting on a podcast. You're doing a thing. I'm doing You've a thing. A, you're doing a thing, aren't you? Yeah. We were asked to participate in a game show, uh, and so I will be representing the Miles Offside podcast on the Who Kicked the Corner Flag podcast. Uh, where there, it's a bit of a quiz element to it, but it's also a long discussion. So I, I've been listening to it, and I really like the format, so I'm kind of super excited to go on. Um, it does make sense that it would be me of the three of us, because I thoroughly destroyed Ian in that one quiz that we did oh, one gotcha. time ever. Yeah. yeah, and you also love talking, so... Both of those things. <laughs> it's absolutely right, it should be you. Yeah. Yeah, so keep an eye out for me on the Who Kicked the Corner Flag podcast. Ian, you're not the only one doing guest spots anymore. Chuck, step your game up. Can someone invite me on their podcast? Yeah, someone, come on. Someone invite Chuck on a podcast. Just even just like to record a soundbite. Yeah. Something. Anything. This is Chuck Bailey and you're listening to the, I don't know, Cook Your Meat Right podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They certainly would not invite you on, Ian. (laughs) What are you talking about? How to switch a grill on in three easy steps. Oh, right. You wouldn't invite me on that specific podcast. Yeah, fair no, point. Definitely, yeah, okay, definitely yeah, not. Fair point. Um, but yeah, so yeah, look, look out, out for that, that next week. Yep, because that will be out uh, probably on the same day that we are. Yep. And for uh, the international break, our next episode is the one, the only, 69. Nice. <laughs> You've been drumming on at this and about doing something special, but it's just... You're such a child. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we've decided to do, and we'll have to sit down and like really l- listen through some old clips between the three of us, but we do want to get some listener feedback on this as well, is we're going to put out a greatest hits, a best of. So we'll probably talk about the origin of Heavens to Betsy. We'll probably have the pomegranate <laughs> oh, yeah. story on there. You know, yeah. all the things. But why don't you write in to our good producer, Ian Stimson, or to our official twitter account and submit your picks for what you think goes in the greatest hits of mop yeah it should be quite a short list yeah could be a <laughs> could be a 20 minute podcast that one yeah for once we'll actually do a rapid fire one uh so we've got such a break until fixtures now with the bloody international break <sighs> who are england playing like kosovo and montenegro don't care okay yeah, exactly there you go don't care um maybe tammy abraham will play uh, uh, Harry Kane shouldn't um, so we're not going to cover the fixtures uh, because no one will remember I'll remember and we'll probably end up doing it twice it's a long time isn't it yeah isn't it um, so that wraps it up for this week thank you as ever guys for tuning in and listening uh, especially you Israelis rocking it California Virginia wood and motherfucking Barbados yo uh, so thank you very much Oscar say goodbye goodbye Ian, say goodbye. 92 points, baby. 92 points. Yeah. Alan, say maximum for the win. Take care, guys, and goodbye. (laughs) 